Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Father, I thank you today for the wonderful people who call this place home. And Father, we know that home is where your heart is. So God, I thank you that they've come to the safe environment, an environment that doesn't deliver condemnation, but brings hope, life, transformation. And so, Father, I want to add upon that today and speak a word that will speak to their Monday, that will order their steps, that will position them for all that you have for them. Holy Spirit, give me the words in season. Anoint my words to speak the oracles of truth and enlightenment to their hearts. We thank you for all this in advance for what you'll do. Blind eyes will see. Lame people will walk. Deaf ears will hear. Sicknesses and diseases will be cursed. And those that are lost will be found through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you for it in advance. And everybody in agreement said? Amen. Amen. Go ahead and grab your seat. Say hi to someone as you're seated down. Because we're a happy, we're a happy place. We're a happy place. We love people. How many love people? How many believe God loves you? How many ready to receive the word? Oh, I tell you what, we're ready to roll. Listen, I want to speak a message today entitled, Your Life Can Be a Great Story. Now, you know, keep it in mind when I say that, somebody says, oh, we're not supposed to strive for greatness, or I don't think I'm great, I'm nothing outside of Christ. Yeah, well, you know, we're all born for greatness. We were born, and He is great, and His greatness invades our being born, and it makes something very great. So we're all born for greatness. And I believe that everybody here this morning has a story, a great story. And in fact, you know, as I was preparing this message, I began to reflect on, you know, when you think of people and gathering uh, amongst a group of people to share something, you you, you realize the fact that cold facts are are, are real, but that doesn't want to inspire people. Uh, People don't want to look at pie charts, although we need them if you're in a business setting. Uh, They want excitement. They want drama. They want they want to they, they, they want to be involved in the picture, the story. They want to laugh, sometimes cry. They want to see and feel what's happening. Amen. Yeah. And statistics don't inspire people to do great things, but stories do. Yes. And so I want to talk about your story today. But you know the reality is. How we understand people's stories, realizing that words help paint stories. In fact, I've heard it said, words are like containers. They're set on a journey to fulfill what has been spoken. And so words are very powerful. And the reality is, there's words attached to your story today. And we can use words to bring joy or sorrow. We can bring healing or we can bring hurt. We can bring discouragement, or we can bring encouragement. But we have the ability to speak life, to bring encouragement and praise to other people. Amen? Amen. So positive words help people find their story. Let me tell you a story about a man at a petrol station. Do you guys want me to talk Australian or or American? I'm bilingual. I am from the United States of Australia. I've been here 18 years now. 
You want Aussie or you want American? Aussie. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie! Oi, oi, oi! Oh, that's not the right way, but we don't have much time. But I want to tell you a story about a, a man at a petrol station. Some years back, I had met this young lady at the time she was 30 because she told me that. And she says, Tom, I'm 30 years old. I've been saved my whole life, raised in a Christian home, never not known Jesus, uh, never really backslidden by the grace of God. I am what I am today. Uh, she was a single lady at the time, but like I said, involved in a church, a very significant church in Tulsa, was one of the key worship leaders there. But she says, every time I see you, you tell me stories about people's lives being transformed. And she says, but I've never been able to share a story like that because I've never led someone to Christ. Well, I said, well, listen, first off, don't, don't be discouraged, you know, for whatever reason you haven't. But, you know, if you agree with people's discouragement, they stay discouraged. But if you find words of encouragement, you can encourage people. So I said, well, Kathy, do you want, do you want to see people one to Christ? She goes, yeah, and that's the reason I'm talking to you today. I want to ask you if you will let me come out with you next time you, you go to, to witness. And, and I want to go with you specifically because I'm very timid and scared to do it. But I figure if I go with you, then it'll be okay. I said, fair enough. So there was a group of people. We were going to go out on a, a particular Saturday. We got together at, at uh, 8 a.m. and prayed from 8 to 9. And then we headed out. Because, you know... Prayer is always a great thing to precede anything you do. Pray it out, walk it out. And so we prayed, and then, then we headed out. Well, we had a few, a few of us, so I was kind of overseeing the group of people. And so I had people going different places. And, and I said, Kathy, you, you can stay with me. And um, we started walking down the road in North Tulsa. And to be honest with you, I really didn't know exactly where we we're going to go. And I kind of wanted to be available for the group of people, too, in case they run into situations. And, you know, leadership always has responsibility attached to it. And so you need to own that and, and be with that. And so I'm, I'm kind of just freelancing, if you will. And so we start walking down the road. And in the distance, probably about two blocks up on the left-hand side, I saw a fire brigade. And all of a sudden, I got this great revelation captive audience. What are firemen doing on Saturday morning? Watching cartoons like you are. Probably eating breakfast or getting ready to eat breakfast. So I thought, what a great idea. So I start walking towards the fire brigade, and, and Kathy says, so, so Tom, tell me exactly what we're going to do, how it's going to work, what steps we're going to take. Classic with someone that's never been out before. They want all the rules and regulations and steps, but there's not always, it's not always that defined. It's just kind of flow and let the Lord help you. So I say, I tell you what, Kathy, here's your responsibility for today. You pray in the spirit, but don't move your lips because people will think you're a cow chewing on cud. But pray. Pray under your breath. That's all I want you to do. You're not going to do anything today, but pray. You got it? Yep, good. So we're walking closer to the fire brigade, and she goes, no, uh, Tom, where are we going? Kathy, Pray. We get, to, we get right up to the front door of this fire brigade, and I open the front door, and as a, you know, you try to be a gentleman, and so I open the door and ask her to go in first, but of course I wasn't going to let her be exposed in front of whoever was in there. I was going to take the lead again, but we come through the front door, and Kathy's freaking out and says, Tom, what are we doing? Kathy, pray. 
And so we come through the front door, and God is my witness. Seated right in front of us was the kind of like the lounge room of the firemen in North Tulsa. And I did something that I'm not going to encourage you to do. I'm not rec- recommending this as a wise thing to do, but I do have to confess I did it. I, I said, Kathy, you stay right here. I walked up to this big television. You know, back in the days, this is back in the, in the 90s. Remember when you had those TVs down in your, in, your, in your kids' program? They had the big back end on those things, big screen TVs. They kind of sat on the ground, but man, they're about this high, about that wide, about that deep. If you took the back on of it, you could probably sleep six people in there. <laughs> and so it was one of those TVs. So I walked up to the television. There's eight grown men sitting there watching it. They're kind of watching me. And I went up and I pushed the power button and turned the TV off. And that's exactly what they did. They looked at me like, who do you think you are? And I didn't even look at Kathy because I can imagine what she was doing. And so then I looked, I looked straight at these guys. Now, I didn't read this in a book. It really happened. I said, I know exactly what you guys are thinking. You're looking at me and thinking, who is this crazy man that's come into our living room and turned off our TV? And I said, let me tell you why I'm here. I said, because God Almighty lives on the inside of me. And something compelled me to come here today to tell you, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will burn in the lake of fire for eternity. (laughs) Firemen understand fire. Fire! I'm known in Bible college back in Sydney as Brother Fire. And um, then I said, so I'm here to tell you today that Kathy and I have chosen to take our Saturday morning off to come here to tell you that Jesus Christ, see, once you did the fire, now you get the compassion. Fire gets their attention, compassion changes hearts. And I begin to tell them how much Jesus loved them and Jesus died for them, and Jesus had a plan for their life, and their best days were still in front of them. And after about probably three, four minutes of preaching the compassion of the gospel, I said, how many of you here want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Can I, can I suggest just a side thought? If you're going to walk into someone's living room and turn off their TV, now is not a time to get timid. You better stay with that spirit of boldness. So I said, if you want to receive Jesus right now, I want you to stand up, step forward, and meet me right here. And to my amazement, all eight of those men stood up, stepped forward, and put their hand right here. And I don't know where Kathy was at. I wasn't looking for her. And so I began to pray a sinner's prayer with them. God's my witness. Begin to pray, and these guys were praying earnestly. But on my left ear right, the guy in the end, he was staring at me and wasn't praying. So I stopped right in the middle of the altar call. 
Now again, I'm not suggesting you guys do this, nor have I did it since, but I believe God was in it. Right in the middle of my altar call I stopped and I looked at the guy in the end and I said, Sir, I did not tell you to stand up. If you don't want to pray to receive Jesus right now and you want to burn in the lake of fire, you go ahead and sit down. Well, he didn't sit down. When I continue to pray the prayer, he's now praying the most earnest, the most convicting, and the loudest. And when I was done praying with these eight grown men, they all began to weep. And the presence of God fell in this fire station. And I ministered to them, gave them some literature, prayed with them. And I said, if there's anything else you need from us, here's our information, how you can reach us. Now watch what happened. When I stood back, the man on the end that wasn't going to pray, he stepped up and said, Tom, a few of our guys went to the coals to pick up breakfast supplies. They're going to be back any minute. Can I have a few of those booklets you gave me? Because I want to be the one that shares Jesus with them today. Hallelujah. But remember I told you the story was about a man at a petrol station. That's not the coolest part of the story. We walked out of that fire brigade by eight grown men that represent eight families whose stories changed forever. The next chapter in the book was I met Jesus, He transformed my life, and things started afresh. Well, we're walking out, and of course, Pat, uh, Patsy, uh, Thank you. Kathy, she was so overwhelmed. She's jumping off. There was no ceiling, but she's jumping up as high as she could. Man, if there was a tree branch out there 20 feet high, she probably would have hit her head on it. She is just going off. I said, Kathy, Kathy, breathe, relax. God's not done. She goes, well, what do you mean, Tom? That's the greatest thing. I, I, I can't wait to get back to church. I can't wait to tell the pastor. I can't. I said, no, no, Kathy. After every great victory in life yes. is an opportunity for another one or an opportunity for failure. You determine that. Because you can get into pride and think that's the end all and think, what else do I need now? But see, God's not done. So I said, come on, Kathy, start praying again. She goes, really? I said, really? We're walking down the road, and I saw just a couple, you know, maybe 50 meters away was a petrol station. We go inside the petrol station, and, you know, Kathy's on cloud nine. I mean, I'm, I'm up there, too, thinking it's incredible. As we come inside, the lady standing behind the counter says, oh, what are you guys doing on this beautiful Saturday morning? I said, oh, we're just out walking around the community, and we're from such and such a church, and just praying for people, encouraging people. She goes, you are an answer to prayer. She says, you see that man out there up on that ladder? There was a guy with a long ladder stretched up on the side of a, a huge sign that had the name of the petrol station. And he was up there a fair bit. She goes, that's my husband. 
I've been praying for years for him to be saved. Could you find it in your heart to go share with him? I said, absolutely. I said, Kathy and the lady that was there, I said, I want you guys to get into agreement and start praying right here. And so I'll walk out again. I'm not suggesting you do this. It's like you don't turn a fire station's power button off. I walk out to the ladder, and it's one of those ones that, you know, it stretches out. And, and, and I grab a hold of the base, and I shook it a little bit. And I said, hello. <laughs> I put a bit of fright in the guy, and I can see why. And thinking back, it was probably not how you'd suggest a witness to people. And he looked at me just like you probably would have. And I said, sir, forgive me. Apologize for that. That's probably a bit abrupt. But I just wanted you to know, true story, didn't read it in a book. I said, I'm here to tell you today that Jesus loves you and he died for you and he wants to save you right now. And the presence of God came on him. But you see, it wasn't my life that brought us to that position. It was the intercessors, mm -hmm. the prayers. Praying makes a way. And I said, are you ready to receive Jesus right now as your Lord and Savior? He says, yes, I am. It was that easy. So he says, let me come down from the ladder. We're in broad daylight, Main Street. He's going to come. I said, no, no, stay right there. You're closer to heaven. <laughs> Why I said that, I don't know. So he stayed, and I said, in fact, I'm going to come up the ladder. So I stepped up the ladder a few steps. He kind of reached down, took my hand, and I began to pray the salvation prayer with him. And you know, the Bible says, watch and pray. So I was trying to be scriptural. While I was praying with him, I looked over out the side of my eye, inside the kiosk. And there was his wife down on her knees down on her knees with their hands raised up to heaven and tears flooding down her face as her husband was out in broad daylight. Not ashamed of the world to declare Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And we went away from that day that day and the person's life who was changed the most was Kathy's because she became a soul winner. Her story changed, the Petroman's story changed, and five grown men at a fire brigade's story changed forever. What's your story going to be today? I believe God wants to do some things in people's lives today. Amen? Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah! God wants to change people's stories. You know, I want to share some thoughts on the power of, his, of encouraging words. You know, it says in Proverbs chapter 10, and I believe we put it up on the screen, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11, it says, The mouth of the righteous is a well of life. But violence covers the mouth of wicked. The message translation says, the mouth of a good person is a deep 
life-giving well. But the mouth of the wicked is a dark cave of abuse. Familiar scripture to many, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. What words are coming out of your mouth? What a powerful thing if we become people that give words of encouragement to people. I wonder how we could change the stories of people's life. Let me share with you something. I know we're told through Scripture to not neglect the gathering of ourselves together. But sometimes we get to a place that we subconsciously are serving a natural God, but He's anything but natural. We're natural, but we attach it to a super God, and supernatural things begin to happen. Amen. The Bible says the steps of a good man and woman are ordered to the Lord. See, we step, He directs. Wouldn't it be a powerful thing today if you got a revelation that God wants to use you to make someone's life become a great story, a story of significance? God's moving. He wants to move through us. Amen? I love what Albert Einstein, the physicist, said. He said, the world is a dangerous place, not because of those who do evil, but because of those who look on and do nothing. Nothing is not your testimony. Something is. Something good is getting ready to happen to your life. You see, encouragement lifts up the heavy heart. It it encourages people through positive confessions, attacking negativism, condemnation that tears people down, we can bring life to people. I know it says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you know, it's interesting, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians deals with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then chapter 13 deals with the love chapter, teaching us how to walk in love. And then we shift over into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah? Sorry, prophecy, prophecy, getting ahead of myself, prophecy. But in it, within 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 5, I'll not take time to read all that. But in verse 4, it talks about prophecy, prophecy towards others is it brings edification, exhortation, and comfort to people. Now, I've been used of God to bring, to bring edification, exhortation, comfort to many Sometimes prophetically, as the Spirit wills, other times just learning to give words of encouragement. If you get the Word of God on the inside of you, you have something that the Holy Spirit can breathe on to bring about change and bring about transformation. But you see, you got to choose 
to dress yourself in a word of encouragement and help people. I'm reminded just a few years back now, I've trained my whole life. Uh, I know, you know, it says in First Peter, bodily, bodily exercise profits little, so I get my little, but it's not everything. But it says godliness is profitable unto all things. So godliness is far more important, but I've, I've trained my whole life. I've been training since I've been six years old. I'm 57 this month. And so I guess 51 years this month. I've been training. It's not, it's not the Alpha and Omega, but I've always purposed to stay fit to run my race in, in every area, spiritually, physically, emotionally, socially, mentally. Tried to live a disciplined life. Unfortunately, I might have had some dessert since I've been here. And Pastors Patsy and Tony might have put some nice Toblerone bars in the room and the, the flesh got a hold of me. And the flesh wanted to eat two, but I'm disciplined, so I only had one. But I was just a few years back now, I was at the fitness center training in it. And then it was a Saturday afternoon. I was just getting my heart ready for the next day. I was going to be preaching. So I had actually had one of Kenneth Hagin's books on prayer. So I, I love to read in the sauna. It's not good for your books. The longevity of your book doesn't last as long. They be, but they become a lot thicker. So you look more intelligent anyway. And so I, I was reading one of the books on prayer and actually just lying down in the sauna, re relaxing. It was you know, six o'clock on a Saturday night. Not everybody's coming to the gym at that, that time. But all of a sudden, this vibrant, upstanding, confident gentleman comes walking into the sauna and kind of presents himself to me and said, hello, my name is Miguel. Who are you? And see, I've never been much, seen anybody as a stranger, so I'm always going to talk and say hi to people, but he beat me to it. And I, so I, I, I was just having fun, so I said, my name is Tomas, because by his accent, I knew he was a Filipino. And so he, he kind of liked that. He goes, oh, I can detect you have an accent. I said, guilty. He says, where are you from? I said, oh, I'm from the States. And so, you know, he goes back and says, well, what brings you here? And I'm not ashamed to say I'm a pastor, but sometimes if you throw that out there right away, it just puts a gap between the conversation but I want to create a bridge. And so I said, oh, my wife and I do humanitarian work here. He goes, oh, what are you doing? Well, we're drilling water wells in Cambodia. That's only half the truth because we're planting churches too. But I didn't tell him that part. But I was half true. He goes, oh, okay. He goes, well, what, what else do you do? I said, well, you know, we, we plant churches too. He goes, ah, oh, you're from Hillsong. I said, Guilty again? He goes, well, I am not coming in a sauna on Saturday night to have someone preach to me. I said, good, I wasn't planning on it. He kind of looks at me funny. Because see, what I've learned with people, if they don't open up their hands and ask questions, I don't provide. Why feed a baby with its mouth closed? You're just going to make a mess in the kitchen. <laughs> But I'm never afraid to share. I'm always open at the right time. So then he goes and sits over in his position. I start reading my book. He goes, remember the guy? He don't want to talk. Oh, sorry. Here's what he did. He goes, I don't want to talk religion. I said, I don't either. So I don't want to talk religion. I want to talk Jesus Christ. He goes, besides that, 
I'm Catholic. I said, ah, cool, I'm Catholic too. Because <laughs> Catholic just means the church universal. So then I'm off to read my book. I'm minding my own business. He goes, uh, excuse me, Tomas, what do you think of the Pope? I said, man, he's got a beautiful place over in Italy. He's living the dream. <laughs> he liked the answer. Can I ask you another question? I, I, I thought you didn't want to talk. He goes, what do you think of the Virgin Mary? Incredible young lady, a teenager giving birth to the Messiah. And then for the next 45 minutes, he asked me question after question after question about religious things. <laughs> 45 minutes. And finally, I didn't say it, he did. Here's what he said. He said, Tomas, you realize we've been talking for the last 45 minutes. I said, I do very much realize it. I feel like I'm in hell right now. <laughs> You're in a hot sauna. 45 minutes is a long time. <laughs> he goes, would you pray with me to receive that Jesus you've been telling me about? <coughs> I said, absolutely. But I said, one request, can we step out of the sauna? <laughs> he goes, yeah. So we step out of the sauna. I prayed with him right in the foyer front area there. And when I prayed with him, the power of God came on him and he began to weep like a baby. His story changed. His story changed. And your story is changing today. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He's arresting your heart. It's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. You're not a bad person, you're a blessing. You're favored of the Lord, you're positioned in God, but get ready because Monday's coming. And God's beginning to do a work in you. Marked today. Amen. You mark this day. How many stories would change if we would be willing to bring encouraging words to others? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah! presence of the Lord is in this place. God wants to touch hearts, change people, never to be the same again. A spirit of boldness to rise up on the inside of you. How cool would it be if our spouse says, you're not the same person I married. What is it? I've been with Jesus.
You see, encouragement lifts up the heavy hearts. It positions people. It enables people. It empowers people. We're all called to encourage the brethren. Encourage people. Speak life over people. You see, the people in Brisbane, they don't have any issues with God. They actually like God. They just don't like the church. But the problem is, we are the church. So what do we do? Father, more of you, less of me. Father, more of you, less of me. Father, all of you, none of me, because I surrender all. One of the things I pray every morning when I do my devotion and prayer, every day I pray a prayer of consecration. That's the prayer Jesus prayed in the garden. He said, Father, I would wish that this cup could pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So, Father, I surrender to you today. Let thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Over my life, the places I go, the things I do, all to thee. It's a powerful prayer. Amen? It's a powerful prayer. Words. You know, it's interesting... Back in the 1899s, there was a war that took place in South Africa. It's called the Boer, B-O-A-R, Boer War. There was two of them. This is referring to the second one, the second Boer War. It was between the Afrikaners. Any Afrikaners here today? South Africans? Any South Africans? Praise the Erde, God is good. But it was against the Afrikaners who were in charge of a territory, and the Brits were trying to come in and free up people in another territory. And the Aussies said, we owe it to the Brits to join sides with them, because after all, they blessed us by sending us to Australia to this penal colony. But thank God we're here. Hallelujah. That's why all the Brits come here on holiday. It's like a, it's like a Hawaii. It's phenomenal. But uh, they, they were supporting the the Brits, and it, it, it come at great cost. There was over 60,000 people lost in the Boer War, Australians. And you know, from the 10 years of war with the Japanese, we didn't even come close to losing that many. So it come at a great cost. But here's the part I want you to hear. During the war, a man was actually court-martialed for speaking discouraging words 
to the soldiers who were defending his town. The tribunal judge that it be a crime to speak disheartening words at such a crucial time, because discouraging words causes people's hearts to grow sour. Just like hope deferred causes the hearts to grow sour. You see, we've been commissioned of God to bring hope, to bring encouragement to people's lives. I like what it says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. It says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby we have been sealed unto the day of redemption. Encouraging words. Speaking life. I like what it says over in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 and 2. If a man be overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore such in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. People need to be encouraged. Yes? And encouragement is achieved through the careful selection of words that are intended to influence another person meaningfully toward increased godliness. You see, we've all been gifted by God, each one of us. You know, in, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 and verses 4 through 10, it talks about gifts of the Holy Spirit, but it says the Holy Spirit wills. And there's where the nine spiritual gifts are, are, are addressed. And then, of course, in, the, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, it talks in verses, or Ephesians 4, 10 and 11, it says how who ascended also descended and went and came to the church and gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the, for the edifying and the building up of the church. So that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in Romans chapter 12, where it talks about gifts that are given to people. They're personal gifts. You see, you've all been given. Some people have the ability to generate wealth. It just comes naturally. Some people have mercy on their life. Some people have a teaching gift on their life. And it also talks about exhortation. It talks about faith. Well, see, I, I have a gift of exhortation. It's not something that I've manufactured or made happen in my life. I just research the Scripture. And, you know, you do, you do strength-finding tests and you do different things to help because we're always growing and changing as people. We're kind of, we want to be become better, more like Christ, right? But you see, I know that a gift that I was given, and we all have one, personal gifts. And if you don't know what it is, you need to find out because if you start operating in it, you'll start seeing fruit in that area. But I have, I have a gift of exhortation. So I always do words of encouragement. I do it practically, but the Holy Spirit can breathe on it too. So like Pastor David, who I met today, I'm going to encourage you in the Lord through the gift that's on my life, but I believe the Holy Spirit's going to breathe on it and do something supernatural. But you're a good man. Practically speaking, a pastor's heart. You reach out to people. You lend your hand to people. But in some respects, it's like, has it all been worth it? Yes. Because you're an offering, a sacrifice of the Father to bring hope to people. 
a bridge of hope into the hearts of humanity, a bridge of hope into the hearts of humanity. And God's hand is on your life, but here's the part that the Holy Spirit wants to tell you. Your hands are anointed to bring hope, to bring healing, to bring transformation. It's not you. It's the Lord. And miracles are the dinner bell to salvations. Anoint him afresh today. In Jesus' name, we mark this day as a day of transformation. But only that, he's anointing your feet. Blessed are the feet of those who bring glad tidings, bring good news, bring peace. A man of peace. The peace of God which passes all understanding keeps your heart, your mind, Christ Jesus. Someone says, man, that's a good one for me. Take it. God's no respecter of persons. Man, whenever I give prophecies that I, that I think would work for me, I say, why I'm laying hands on this person, I'm receiving also. Can you imagine God in heaven saying, you lousy or Queenslander? <laughs> you think you can receive something that I give to someone else? After all, I am quite limited. We only walk on gold in heaven, so you know we're a bit of a crisis. No, why don't you receive it too? Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Hands anointed from heaven to bring transformation to people. A tongue ready to speak life into people's situations. A heart that says, Father, lead me to hurting humanity. I, I forgot I even said this, but someone came up to me just, just Friday back home. She, she was coming in town for our graduation this Monday. She says, Brother Tom, man, 20 years ago, when you were such and such, you said this, do you remember it? Here's what she said. You told us in college that newspapers are printed so that the church knows how to pray for that community. See, we think it's just bad news. Ah, oh, look at the world, it's such a mess, and we get into all the ah, bunch of junk. No, no, I, I believe God's wanting you to know what's wrong with your community so you can attach your heart to it. That's a ministry. It's a ministry. The world is hurting, but we have the heart of the Father. Stacks, graphs, pie charts, they're fine, but stories. What's your story? It starts today. A new chapter in the book with the great story. Amen? Amen. Do you receive that? Yes. Does it stir you? Yes. Does it help you? Yes. Does it compel you? Yes. Does it move you? Yes. 
Let's stand up. Can I have the team up here, please? Father, we thank you today that you're working in our lives. I love what Victor Frenzel said. When we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. Let's let God change us today. Some of you, I'm called into the ministry. You're actually supposed to be ministering where you're planted. What's in your hand? Well, I'm an accountant. What's in your hand? Well, I'm a school teacher. What's in your hand? I work at a petrol station. What's in your hand? Do faithfully to that which has been put in your hand and the faithfulness will increase you so that you can fulfill what's in your heart, which is ultimately what we're all trying to do. Be faithful what's in your hand to fulfill what's in your heart. You are in ministry. You are positioned in God. You are empowered in God. You are enabled today to make a difference. Do you believe that? Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.